Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Well, today we're looking at part two of our series on how God takes ordinary people, sometimes less than ordinary, and does something extraordinary with them, which really gives us a big wow and gets the world's attention. So today, I'm going to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, first four verses. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 12 says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose builder and maker maker is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man and him as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through this son, Isaac, your offspring will be blessed. Abraham reasoned that God could raise him from the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Well, last week, we started this new series entitled Ordinary Turned Extraordinary. And in this series, we're looking at some of the people God called into heroic acts of faith, sometimes extraordinary, who weren't very extraordinary themselves. Uh, you know, we decided and looked at Scripture that said, when God chooses to use somebody for his own purpose, God always chooses the unexpected, the unlikely the less than likely, the outcast, the marginal, the ones nobody in church would even think of that God would use. This is called good news, folks. See, I'm not looking at a whole auditorium of night lights because you glow in the dark. I, not happening, see? Often he just chooses less than ordinary people. Then he gets the credit for it, see? See, when we read Scripture, we'll actually see that this is God's modus operandi. This is the pattern of the way God works. 
God doesn't work according to our standards or the standards of our world or our culture or according to what we expect. God always goes way beyond that. It's like what we read last week in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think according to his power that works in us. I'm going to challenge you. Ask bigger. Well, I come out of a family, and you know, I, this is more than my mom and dad had, and I don't want to insult God by being greedy. Oh, come on. That's called false humility. That's called small pygmy thinking. God tells you. God Almighty said, ask me big, bigger than you can think. I don't think anybody in here has pushed God where he's saying, whoa, hold on, back off a little bit. You're asking too much. So let's take him at his word. Let's ask for bigger things than our parents imagined, bigger things than we could imagine in our own skill or ability or that we, that we think. The Bible tells us in no uncertain terms, God goes beyond what we expect, how we think, God exceeds our requests and surpasses even our imaginations. Wouldn't it be nice if we got raised that way? Come on, Becky, quit crawling. Get up big. I got a computer for you. We're going to do some big things, girl. God's got big plans for you. No, we teach everybody, even our little kids. Now stay in the lines, color inside the lines, so we all live in our little box in life I've got a white box, a black box, a, a Hispanic box, an Asian box. I've got a divorced box, a married box. I've got no kids box, too many kids box. I've got all kind of, I'm old, I'm young. Pick your box. But God says, I want you to go beyond those boundaries. I want you to think bigger than that. So even in our imaginations, God's in the business of surprising us and those who know us. Last Sunday, we learned about God's surprising choice and use of Rahab as a hero of God's kingdom. She's a woman, she's a Canaanite, and she's a prostitute. Get you some of that this morning. You may feel lower than a whale's belly, but God says, you're not too low. I can use you. There's hope, folks. She's the unlikeliest of the heroes, but God chose her in spite of it. And by faith, the Bible says she helped save the lives of these two spies in Israel. Now, we also learned about another woman named Agnes Boachu, better known as Mother Teresa, who was also an unlikely hero. And by the world's standards, she wouldn't get a second glance. But she was chosen and used by God to touch thousands and thousands of people. The ordinary turned extraordinary. You know, hearing such stories over and over again, you can't help but seriously consider maybe the possibility God's calling ordinary people like you and me to occasionally do something extraordinary for the kingdom of God. Me? Yeah, you. He chooses the most unlikely. Well, today we're going to be looking at another unlikely character of the Bible who's called to an extraordinary act of faith. His name is Abraham, formerly Abram, until God changed his name. And what made him such an unlikely hero was his age. You can bump the old man next to you. His age. 
He was way beyond what society would consider a likely age bracket to be a hero. I mean, consider this, for example. Peter Parker became Spider-Man when he was still in high school. Clark Kent became Superman when he was blasted into the Earth's atmosphere as a baby. So I think that when people consider the picture of what a hero would look like, they tend to imagine somebody who's young and robust at the prime of his or her life. You know, a Clark Kent or a Peter Parker. Certainly, certainly not somebody like this old goat, Abraham. The Bible tells us in Genesis 12, verse 4, simply that Abraham was 75 years old when God called him. You're not too old for God to save you or use you. That's important. He was 75 when he got a call. Moses was 80. So stop drooling on yourself. And visiting the mortuary to pick a casket out. Don't do that. I want to go out and pick out my burial. But no, I don't want to. When God called him, this is interesting. He's an old man. And the writer of Hebrews is not very kind in talking about Abraham's age. We read it in Hebrews 11. It said Abraham was past age. And in verse 12, it described him as good as dead. <laughs> Don't look at your husband. That's not very nice, is it? Now, personally, 75 is actually not that old. But certainly it needs to be acknowledged that even by today's standards, that would have put Abraham already 10 years into retirement and getting Social Security checks and already 20 years into qualifying for the senior discount at Denny's restaurant. <laughs> Age-wise, Abraham is the most unlikely guy we could think of. And the interesting is that there is not much more ever said about Abraham. When you first meet him in Scripture, we get very little description of the guy. We don't know his intellect, his physical stature, the personality. We know nothing. The Bible is silent on it. All we know by the time we get to Genesis 12 is that Abraham was the son of a guy named Terah and was married to a woman named Sarah. And we find some other family information that he had two brothers. One was dead. And he had a nephew by the name of Lot, which ironically is not a lot. I could not resist that. Sorry. <laughs> Cheap shot. That's it. That's it. Nothing more is said about this guy. He's an Iraqi living in the southwestern corner of Iraq in what's called Ur of Chaldees. He's a tent dweller. He worships idols. This guy is a total loser. And he's old. You feeling better already? And this guy... God would call to eventually become the father of all nations. Now, for all we know, Abraham is just another ordinary guy, a Bedouin out in the desert. Actually, when we read about his lineage in chapter 11 of Genesis, we might infer he is actually less than ordinary because while the other men mentioned in his family line had other sons and other daughters. The Bible says that he and his wife, Sarah, had none. She was barren. She had no children. How would you like for God to name you father of uh, many nations 
And every time you moved into town, somebody asked your name, father of many names, you hadn't got a kid. How embarrassing. But that's what God said. And by the way, here's a little tip. If God made you a promise, he's not intimidated by your age or circumstances. Doesn't matter to him. It doesn't matter. He just, if he said it, he'll do it. That which I've begun in you, I'll perform it till the day of Jesus, period. So don't be worrying about the circumstances. Just focus on the fact God made a promise. And if it's in his word, it's solid. You can take it to the bank. And by the world standard today, especially by biblical standards and by the standards of his day, Abraham would never have been considered a likely hero. He's just some old guy with no kids, and maybe the writer of Hebrews is really not being that harsh at all. Maybe for the standards of that time, what is said in Hebrews about him is pretty representative about how people felt back back then for a 75-year-old man with no kids. He was past age and good as dead. Well, and she's barren. And God says, yeah, that'll do. I'll mix up something really cool with this. And yet it's exactly at this point in his life, God called him to do something extraordinary. Can I pause for a moment and say to some of you, Social Security recipients, take care of yourself. Watch your health because God may call you to do something extraordinary late in life. 75, 80, these guys didn't even get a call till then for crying out loud. Change your diet. Walk around the block. Do some exercise. Look after yourself. Enjoy your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. You don't have to be decrepit to get old, and you don't have to stop in ministry because you get old. You can serve. You can give. You can give advice. You can use your talent until your last breath. You never know which one God's going to use. Don't sit back in a pew and say, well, They've got plenty of people. They don't need me. Who said that? They could have said that when God chose Moses at 80 or Caleb or uh, Abraham at 75. You know, <laughs> even if you're past age like Sarah, if God says you're going to have a kid, you better paint the room like a nursery. You know, get a bassinet, a bed or something and some mobiles because you're going to need them and some diapers. Yeah. That's all I know. He just does it. And it ought, to, it ought to be like God to choose people who will say, oh, gee, I'm not talented enough. Well, I don't have enough money. Well, I don't have that. Well, you don't know about my background. You, I've still got a problem here. I don't know it. God knows it. That doesn't seem to intimidate him, so it shouldn't intimidate you. It sure intimidates churches, but it should not intimidate you. I'm simply saying, you just focus on what God can do. He can make something out of nothing. But he can't do anything if you don't give yourself to it. Can't do anything. So this is what we read in Genesis 12, first three verses. Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, you can imagine that scene. If I was Abraham, and I'm 75 years old, and I'm living in a particular land all my life with 
family relatives around, minding my own business, worshiping my pagan idols, living in my tent out in the desert, eating sand, doing my thing. And all of a sudden, God comes to me in a dream and tells me to move somewhere, leave everything you know, leave your family, and go to a place that I have no clue where I'm going. I think just maybe my response would be like, what? Say that again, God? You want me to do what? Oh, and worse than that would be trying to tell Cindy. <laughs> God, what? God said, what? move where? Do you know how long we've been redecorating this tent and how we've landscaped it? And now you're going to move? Are you out of your mind? Have you prayed about this? I mean, we just clean up the Bible sometimes. I imagine he, he had a few, a few little tiffs with the wife, don't you? I don't, maybe a few with the Lord that aren't even mentioned in Scripture. So this is a surprising call that's recorded in Scripture. But what is most surprising is Abraham's response. The Bible simply said in verse 4, so Abraham left as the Lord told him. That's it. He had no Bible. They didn't have any scroll. God just appeared to him in a dream and spoke to him. And God said, I accounted that as righteousness to him. It doesn't take much to get in good with God. It doesn't take much. Just, just believe him. Exercise a small amount of faith. God says, that's good. I can use that. I don't know. Perhaps age-wise, Abram might not be considered a likely hero. But faith-wise, he demonstrated one of the most heroic acts possible letting go. Can you imagine? You've waited till you're 100 years old and you get a kid and then God says, kill him. Give it up. Let go. And this guy did raise the knife and God stopped him and said, now I know I can trust you. Wow. Would you let go? That's, a, that's always going to be the question. Oh, if you can see how it all plays out. Yeah. But when you can't see how it's going to play out and you obey God and let go, God says that is extraordinary. That's extraordinary. Reminds me of the story I heard about a tourist. You probably heard it too uh, for several years. Uh, he was out to see the Grand Canyon. You know, in his amazement at the beauty and grandeur of the canyon, he got too close to the edge and kind of slipped and fell off. And he's plunging headlong over the side, screaming, and he's trying, clawing, scratching, grabbing for anything to stop the fall. And finally, he, he's able to desperately grab hold of some scrub bush growing out of the side of the, the cliff. And at that point, he's filled with terror. He's hanging on with both hands for dear life. And he's screaming to heaven, help! Is there anybody up there? And to his relief and surprise, a calm, powerful voice came out of the sky responding, Yes, my son, it's the Lord. The, the tourist said, well, Lord, can you help me? I desperately need help. The calm voice replied, yes, my son, yes, I can. What seems to be the problem? The man screamed, I fell off the cliff. I'm dangling here in space, holding onto a bush, about to give way. Please, please help me. And that voice from above said, well, son, do you believe? Yes, yes, Lord, I believe. Well, do you have faith? 
Yes, Lord, yeah, I've got strong faith. Please hurry. A calm voice came back from heaven. Well, my son, in that case, simply let go of the bush and everything's going to turn out fine. After a very tense, silent pause, the tourist yelled, is anybody else up there? And that sums us all up. For most of us, we're like the guy hanging on a cliff. We got a difficult time letting go. We're holding on to everything and anything, gripping onto what we know and what we want, and we've done it with tight, closed fists. And the irony is, the tighter we grip, the less our hands can actually hold. I can totally imagine that when God called Abraham, Abraham saying yes as he looks towards heaven, maybe opening his hands in an extraordinary act of faith. Abraham, let's go. Let's God start doing God's work in him. And especially at that age of 75. To let go at that age is no small thing. But that's exactly what Abraham did. And that's exactly what made him a hero. I kind of find it amazing that this once less than ordinary 75-year-old man, tent dweller, idol worshiper, is referenced so often in Scripture. First of all, nearly one-fourth of Genesis is devoted to this man's life. Over 40 Old Testament references are made about Abraham. And it's interesting that even Islam holds Abraham second in importance only to Muhammad, with the Quran referring to Abraham 188 times. Well, you obviously know that when he had a relationship with Hagar, he had Ishmael, and we have a whole new race in the Middle East, but the father was Abraham. You know, Dad and Sarah kind of messed up the plan, but God's still able to redeem it. It's all right. Now, if we look in the New Testament, we'll see that the New Testament doesn't diminish the significance and life and the character of Abraham at all. It's contained in nearly 75 references to Abraham total. And perhaps the most important reference comes from the section that we read in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 11, we called it the Hebrew Hall of Faith. And this is what we read in verse 12 of Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith, Abraham, though he was past age, and Sarah herself barren, was enabled. God supernaturally enabled them to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. Let me stop there. When God makes a promise, you have to put it in the bank. I count him faithful. He made a promise. I count you faithful. It isn't looking good right now. I count you faithful. It's not looking good, Abraham. Sarah's thinking, are you mad? This isn't going to work. God, he counted God faithful. Stand on it. If God makes a promise, you stand on it undeterred. And God loves that. And so from this one man and him as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in sky and countless as the sand on a seashore. So whoever you are, whatever condition your life is in at this moment, don't accept the lie, God can't use you. Because Abraham said yes to God. Because Abraham opened his hands and let go. 
because Abraham was willing to leave his ordinary life for what in faith he hoped would be an extraordinary journey, and boy was it. He became the father of all who believe, all nations, and became a hero in the kingdom of God. I love this story of Abraham because, frankly, it speaks volumes to many of you here in Summit. And let's face it, although we are loaded with millennials here, not everybody is a spring chicken. And I won't go so far as to say what the writer of Hebrews says, that many of you are past age or good as dead, which I'm sure you'll appreciate very much. But the truth of the matter is, many of us have bowed down to the current society's view that isn't very high on an older generation. We live in a world and a culture that prizes the potential and power of youth. Women pay big money on things like age-defying skin creams, Botox, wrinkle removers, while men consider finally calling that 1-800 number the hair club of America. (laughs) See, the bottom line is we not only want to look younger, we want to be younger. Nothing wrong with that, of course. But here's the thing. The Bible, in essence, is telling us that if God can take a 75-year-old wrinkled Abraham and make him into the father of nations, and Moses at 80 years, God can certainly take any of us at any age and cause us to do some extraordinary things in the name of God. Whether you're young or old, well, I'll wait till I... No, you just give your life to God now any age, old or young. God even says, I'll restore the years the enemy has stolen. Some of you have wasted half your life. God says, I'll take care of it. I'll give you a better full quality life at the end than you had in all the years you wasted at the beginning. God is a God of restoration. Don't you dare forget that. Don't sit around, suck your thumb, feel self-pity over how pitiful uh, you lived and whatever. Quote, Quote what God says, I'll restore. I'll restore the years. And for many of you, God, the enemy did take some years. God says, I'm going to make your latter years of a higher quality than all the, the, it's not how many numbers of years, it's the higher quality of life in those years that are restored. So your best days are ahead. The best wine is for the last. The latter house glory will exceed the former house glory. Come on, brighten up. The path of the righteous gets brighter day by day. Quit drooling on yourself. And the truth is, God's calling all of us, like he called Abraham many, many years ago. As people of God, God's calling us to rise up above the ordinariness of lives to experience something beyond what we could possibly ask or even imagine, or immeasurable things, he says, things that go beyond age, things that go beyond the limits of this world or your life. God is calling us to be a hero and make a difference while we still can. And folks, we still can If you're breathing and you are able to come today, you are able. You still can make a difference. But not unless you say, okay, Lord, whatever you want, I'm in. I'm game. Count on me. So there's this familiar line in Spider-Man. Some of you know it. It goes like this. With great power comes great responsibility. Okay, that's good. But the better one is in the kingdom of God. And it would be more accurate to say this. With great responsibility comes great power. See, God has placed before every one of us great responsibility to be a bearer of good news, to expand the kingdom of God, or to some call that he may have on your life. 
but he promises us that with that responsibility, he will push to it great power in order to make it come true. That will work within us. So each and every week, I'm blown away by amazing and faithful acts of heroic service some of the members in our congregation have here at Summit. I see the Abrahams, I see the Sarahs rise to the occasion and continue to serve, continue to give, continue to say yes to God, and continue to let go with open hands. They experience God's power at work within them. They're not dead, so they're not done, and neither are you. And I'm absolutely confident that though many of us might not be completely young, we are certainly not past age, and we are certainly not good as dead. We are yet alive and yet available for God to use us. And the good news is that we worship and serve an amazingly powerful God who can do way more than we can ask or way more than we can imagine. And of course, the bad news is that God ain't done with you yet. <laughs> See, God, I wish the Lord would speak to me. Well, maybe not. You know, Moses stopped to listen to a burning bush. <laughs> I was thinking of Dion uh, uh, Warwick's song, Walk on by. When God speaks to you, buckle up, buttercup. We're going to have some turbulence, but it's going to be wild and it's going to be great. And God may be calling you, expecting you to rise up, to do something, to live with extraordinary power and faithfully respond to that extraordinary responsibility he's called us to. So young or old, I hope you believe this. And today, open up your hands, open up your heart and say yes to God. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.